0: Welcome to tax bites for expats the top tax tips you want to know as an expat the podcast is here to help answer the common queries and concerns expats have when moving to or from Ireland complex taxes explained simply we'll focus on the Irish and international tax issues to be aware of to ensure you save time money and stress Hi, my name is Stephanie Wickham from expattaxes.ie. You're listening to the Tax Bites for Expats podcast, the show that explains the do's and don'ts of income taxes for people who are moving to or from Ireland. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Tax Bites for Expats. Today, the topic is going to be something that we we see come up quite regularly, which is questions around relocating to Portugal. I think in recent years, it's become... um, maybe a a goal for particularly business people in Ireland to maybe retire to Portugal. And some of the tax rules that are um, effective there make it an efficient option for people, depending on the circumstances. So we're going to have a conversation with a tax lawyer who is based in Lisbon, um, José Barros. Um, But before we introduce him, I'd just like to give him A brief introduction because he has some fantastic experience, which is really relevant to the discussion that we're going to have. So Jose is um, based in Lisbon, as I mentioned, and working um, at a Spanish-Portuguese law firm, which have 13 offices in Spain, seven in Portugal, uh, mainly in the Lisbon area and uh, along the Algarve. Jose himself graduated in law from the University of Lisbon Law, and he also did a master's degree with a scientific specialisation in tax law. He began his professional career as a lawyer in 2014, where he worked in the tax department from day one, with the main focus being on private clients and international taxation. Fast forward, in 2019, he joined CCA Law, um, a medium-large law firm where he worked in the tax department, with a greater focus on matters of direct and indirect taxation of companies and real estate investment. In January 2021, he joined Rogiero Fernandez Ferrere & Associates, where he worked in the tax litigation department. Recently he's moved to a new law firm. I'm going to try and fail to pronounce it correctly, but Martinez Echevera and Ferreira Advogados. <laughs> so he can correct me as to the correct pronunciation where he will now be working in areas of tax law and he's actually been tasked with launching the law firm's tax department. He has a specific focus on the non-habitual residency scheme and he's really well placed to kind of have a conversation with us today about the do's and don'ts of this scheme how it might apply, the areas people need to watch out for, opportunities and pitfalls. So, José, thank you so much for joining us. Um, after that introduction, I suppose the first question I'd like to ask you is, you know, why, why are people choosing Portugal?
1: First of all, hi. Thank you, Stephanie, so much for the introduction and for the invitation to do this uh, podcast going straight forward with the question why portugal well uh, besides the special tax regime we have for uh, global mobility let's start with the the the, the things that really attract people to to portugal and one of our biggest assets which is the weather (laughs) Uh, the weather and natural features warm summers temperate winters uh, diverse and beautiful landscapes beaches cliffs, quiet parks, it's, it's a wonder for, for nature and for people that really are keen to move to a, a, a warmer <laughs> country uh, with the Mediterranean climate. Uh, secondly, uh, we are notoriously friendly, the Portuguese people. Uh, there are some uh, lots of surveys and lots of information online regarding uh, Portugal and, and that they find Portugal as being one of the friendliest uh, places for people to, to, to come and live. Uh, we are very used to to, to to speak in English, basically, especially in L- Lisbon, Porto and, and Algarve uh, are very used to, to, to speaking English everywhere. Uh, and that's a, a plus for people to, to move and, and feel more welcome. Uh, also, our food our cuisine uh, sometimes overlooked regarding the Italian and Spanish food, but we are a country with one of the biggest uh, coastlines regarding the size of the territory and we have this huge uh, economic uh, sea area, so lots of fishing, lots of fresh food, seafood. Um, So that's a plus. Uh, We're also one of the top of the wine producers in the world, uh, especially the known Porto wine uh, across the world, but Mm -hmm. also uh, some some other places. Also, regarding the cost of living, uh, Portugal is really uh, affordable. at least to live on the daily basis, you know, getting groceries, eating out, drinking. So uh, life, it's it's much cheaper in Portugal than in other places. Uh, even though to getting a place to live, uh, it's getting quite uh, expensive. At least mm-hmm. in the center of Lisbon, Porto, and. Algarve, some places. So uh, that 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 could be just the biggest expense that someone trying to move will 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 have, and trying to find a place it could be challenging. But that that that's basically um, the main the main cost that someone w- will have. Uh, also for digital nomads, expats working. Uh, through remote working mm-hmm. uh, we have very good uh, internet service uh, actually we won a lot of prizes our companies uh, in innovation in providing internet services with cable fiber internet massified across the country so very good for uh, remote working <laughs> with good services to, to support your remote working for for families also there are the, the we have a Good education system, public system, but also very good international uh, schools, Mm -hmm. particularly in Lisbon and Porto. So, uh, the whole family is trying to to move, Uh, will find it easy to to, to get a good place for their their kids to, to, to study, either in... Uh, elementary schools, but also high schools and universities, which we ranked fairly, fairly good. And finally, we also have the public health system, which is always a plus for for, for a lot of people, depending on the country they came from. Uh, our healthcare system is good coverage, uh, some uh, not so good coverage for common medical services. For that, it's better to have uh, health insurance, but for especially accidents, certainty matters and more grave diseases. It's it's a a very good system. Yeah, that's basically the the main features of the country uh, as itself that are more likely to attract people to to move to Portugal. And then, of course, the tax regime that we will talk about soon enough.
0: Uh, You know what, even before you start on the tax... I just want to get my passport and go to the airport like you (laughs) should work for the tourist board as a brilliant summary. And, you know, when you list it out like that, it's so clear as to why Portugal has become such a um yes, I suppose yes. you know a beacon for people who who are looking to you know move to a sunnier climate um, and all of those things are so important you know because they are the things that day to day matter. So that's a brilliant, a brilliant answer to the to the question, you know, why Portugal? You've just listed many, many reasons why it's a it's a good idea. So with that in mind, you know, the, the focus of the discussion is the tax piece. Um, yeah, tell me about the, the non-habitual residency scheme. I mean, my comment would be, what I find is that, you know, there's a lot of information online about this. You know, clients tend to come to us with a, you know, a, kind of a an overarching knowledge of, of of what it is, but it's going to be really good to hear it from an expert because obviously, like any tax regime, there's terms and conditions. And it's really important to understand that if one of the reasons for your move is to take advantage of it.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, the the There's a lot of information online uh, most of the information, it's not like 100% accurate or there are some, they give the highlights uh, and there are a lot of requirements and small things that could really change uh, your specific case. And how will you be taxed uh, going forward? But uh, going back a little bit, the, the, the non-habitual residence regime was created in 2009 with the goal to attract to Portugal, I worth individuals also highly qualified professionals and also pensioners, people just retiring and getting their retirement in a sunnier, warmer place, uh, as well also to, to have a general attractiveness to, to, to foreign to foreign investment. This status is granted to, to individuals who must become tax residents uh, for all intents and purposes, especially tax law uh, purposes, in meaning that Uh, You have to register as a tax resident, register yourself as a a EU national resident, Uh, but we will go into more details uh, going forward. Uh, The the main request, the legal requirement is to not being deemed to have uh, been a Portuguese tax resident for the last five years. So. Even if you lived in Portugal, if you left and come back five years later, you could get the non-habitual residence uh, regime. Um, NHR, let's keep it short for non-habitual residents. NHR individuals uh, may enjoy the status of this specific tax regime for a 10-year period. Uh, After that, they they, they will be uh, deemed normal tax residents as, as myself, for one instance, and will be taxed according to the standard uh, personal income tax in Portugal, which is called uh, uh, IRS, but we'll keep on calling it personal income tax. Uh, this new tax regime, the, the non-habitual residents, uh, targets non-resident individuals who are really keen on on moving to, to, to Portugal, uh, uh, we have other programs for visas like golden visas but th- th- those are not uh, designed to actually attract people to live uh, in, in portugal and the nhr you really must reside in portugal and become a full resident in broad terms the non habitual resident regime uh, it's especially designed to get uh, to give you a uh, general exemption on foreign sourced income or at least uh, a very limited uh, taxation uh, and also um, a a limited taxation even on incomes that you earn in in Portugal Uh, Then we will check some details further further on. As I was saying you have to become a tax resident so you uh, will be able to request uh, tax residence certificate uh, which is uh, very important uh, not only for the system to, to or the regime to apply uh, but also in terms of uh, getting around the, 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 the double taxation treaties and applying the double taxation treaties. In this case we're speaking more about Ireland so we have a double taxation treaty agreement with with Ireland and once you become a Portuguese tax resident uh, you can issue the certificate to present before the the Irish tax authority uh, and request the application of the double taxation treaty which is essential to the regime itself.
0: And you know that's a very good point Jose because one of the things that kind of comes up from an Irish perspective is, you know, the concept of ordinary residency, um, which is, you know, the concept that, if you've been a tax resident for three consecutive tax years, you become an ordinary resident, and it takes three years to lose that status. So you're—it's entirely valid to mention that because people often believe that it's possible to be resident of a one location only. Um, and I know we've worked on clients who we, you know, we've kind of had to explain to them that there's there's a kind of a process to navigate there, isn't there? So ultimately, the double tax agreement kicks in at that point, but there's analysis needed. Um. I, I, you know the thing that's coming through to me when you're kind of going through the things there is just there's conditions and i suppose the the, the value of having an expert help you gu- guide you through understanding that is 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 obviously invaluable um you are obviously really familiar with like qualification for the scheme and you've listed it there in terms of what someone needs to do like from a practical perspective what are the things that somebody needs to do if they're going to try and qualify for the scheme and they meet the conditions that you've listed out already
1: before getting into the into that uh, uh, and addressing the, the issue with the double tech, the, the, the residency issue, there there are a lot of, and and we have that experience with a lot of clients trying to figure out how to conjugate the residency rules in Portugal, the residency rules in Ireland, and the, what what is technically called a trailing residency, you know, you leave the country, but you could still be deemed a resident mm-hmm. in Ireland also. So there's some double residency issues that usually arise with Ireland, that's, that's mostly for sure Uh, and that needs to be priorly assessed uh, as well as because of the regime has so so much specification depending on the types of incomes you earn Uh, that is also something that really is needed to to, to analyze but we will go a little bit more in detail um, a a little bit more forward as to how to qualify to the scheme uh as i said the 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 main rule is you have to be deemed a tax resident you have to become a tax resident and for that portugal has two basic rules uh one it's most common internationally is the one and 183 days rule Mm -hmm. uh, which you have to stay in one country for more than 183 days and you are deemed a resident portugal has created uh like some other countries what we call partial residency so instead of assessing the residency for the cold civil year calendar year uh, we assess residency in 12 month periods so uh, let's say that you uh, register today as a tax resident in portugal stay in portugal uh, for three months then go back to Ireland for two months, and then come back uh, to, to Portugal and stay another uh, four months. So in total, you have from June 29th uh, going forward in this example, you would have been seven months in Portugal. So you would be deemed resident from the today onwards uh, and not on the fiscal year itself because you would be partially deemed resident For this part of the year only um, and moving forward of course. Uh, There's also a a second rule uh, which is that uh, you don't need to be in Portugal for 183 days uh, but uh, you need to have uh, housing in Portugal, a home available to you on any given day on a 12-month period with the condition that uh, this uh, residency must be maintained and occupied as an habitual residency. So um, you don't need for the 183 days, but uh, like the, the flip side is that you cannot be more than 133 days in another country. So you're not deemed resident there and don't lose the Portuguese residency. So as long as you don't stay uh, on another country for more than 183 days, you could stay less than 183 days in Portugal. Uh, as long as you have like uh, utilities, contracts, you actually come here for part of the year, you have all the services, you have a full functioning home, uh, you, you would still be deemed resident.
0: And that would then apply to maybe somebody who is based in Portugal, but travels frequently for work to other locations. So for example, somebody who maybe, you know, lives in Portugal, spends the majority of their time there, but is required to maybe travel to the UK, Ireland, the US, Germany for their work. Um, so in other words, you don't have to spend all your time in Portugal, it just it's essentially needs to be your base. And you're spending um, sufficient time there to need the things that you said, utilities, a home, um, a link with the place. Is that right?
1: Yes, that, that that's basically it. Uh, of course, that depends on how you go abroad so let's say uh, you go one month or two months to the UK then one month, two months to, to Ireland but you like short term rental you don't have actually a property there or you're in let's say Airbnb or hotels or whatever uh, and you have your home here uh, uh, and your address and everything set up so when you actually can come back to your home that home is portugal and that, that that's the main mm,
0: uh, yeah it's your main home so somebody's met the conditions they understand the rules tell me you know distill down the you know the tax advantages because that's pretty much where the rubber hits the road i suppose for most people you know they want to understand if I qualify for this what is it going to mean from a cash perspective and what's my, what are my taxes going to look like?
1: Well, first of all like uh, I said the the, the main feature uh, is regarding foreign sourced incomes um, uh, for example uh, retirement and pensions uh, income uh, as long as they are not deemed to, to be arising from, from Portugal so foreign sourced pensions and retirement pension and uh, pension income will be taxed at a 10% flat rate uh, of course that the country where that pays the the, the pension let's say ireland uh, that has also its own internal law and then we have left to apply the double taxation treaty so uh, it, it, even though in Portugal, there's the there non habitual residence regime, which is very beneficial. There's also always the side of the source country where the payments are performed and that also needs to, to, to be assessed. Um, but uh, going forward regarding, for example, employment income uh, provided that it's actually taxed abroad. So some at, at least there needs to be some level of taxation, let's say in Ireland, for the employment income you earn sourced in Ireland. And if that's so, then according to the non-habitual residence regime, you would be fully exempt from taxation in Portugal regarding that that employment income. Uh, A little bit different uh, is independent service rendering because we only have this exemption for high, what we call high value added activities defined at the law, uh, which basically, are like uh, channel directors, executives, directors of administrative and commercial services, directors of production, directors of hotels, restaurants, also uh, doctors, physicians, dentists, teachers. There's a full list uh, of of activities that we call high-value added that could be uh, encompassed in the non-obitual residence uh, regime, which basically will be exempt from taxation Uh, in Portugal, uh, provided that such income could be taxed in the source country.
0: And is that before or after application of the double tax agreement, José? So, for example, if Ireland has the right domestically to tax it, but doesn't use that right because the treaty allocates rights to Portugal, does that mean NHR is not in play or is it still available?
1: When the double taxation treaty agreement uh, specifically states that there is exclusive taxation in the residency country, in this case, uh, the income will not be exempt. Okay. But what needs to to happen is that let's say that there are cumulative taxation. So, in this specific income, let's suppose that Ireland could tax part of it or a percentage of it, limit, limited, but could tax, but doesn't because of the internal rules itself. But according to the double taxation treaty, it could. Then Portugal exempts. that They just... In in the specific case of Ireland, we have to check the double taxation treaty, check every type of uh, rule regarding the specific income we're talking about and check how the rules work. So if exclusive taxation in the residency uh, for independent service rendering uh, will be uh, taxed in, in Portugal. But then there's the second part of it because even in that case, uh, for independent service rendering, uh, provided that it's a high value added activity that you are performing, even in that case, you could get a 20% flat rate in Portugal.
0: Okay, right.
1: So that's the, the flip side of it.
0: There's still a preferential rate. So the reason yes, why, yeah. why that's, and I suppose to just still that down, because I'm conscious for most people listening to that, it's, it sounds very technical. Um my first comment would be, it it, it is. <laughs> and what, what generally people try and do, which I would try and do if I was not a tax expert, is they try to simplify things down to one line. In other words, the NHR means this. The reality is the NHR scheme um, is a fantastic scheme, but how it operates in your specific circumstances is exactly that. It's your circumstances. So in other words, Um, when we as advisors are looking at at a client, we are looking at their specific circumstances, their specific income, their specific assets, and a specific pattern of activity. And that is then how we reach the conclusion as to whether or not Ireland has taxing rights, Portugal will apply NHR, or would maybe give a preferential rate. Um, But I think the way you've explained that is really good, because ultimately, I think what you're saying is, you know, if NHR doesn't completely exempt the income there's likely still an opportunity for a preferential rate to be applied so in other words it's not it's not bad news if for some reason you don't meet the condition for exemption there's still a preferential rate to compare that 20% rate to what a client coming from Ireland would be used to you know most people most married couples who are collectively earning over 80,000 euro are paying taxes in Ireland at 48% with social insurance on top of 4%. So their 52% effective tax rate now needs to be compared with what I'm hearing is the 20% income tax rate that NHR would offer in Portugal. Okay. I mean, there's so much to this. It's it's, it's a lot, isn't it? Like, it's it's yeah. I mean that's that's to just sit down. But ultimately, you know what you're saying is there's there's a lot to it.
1: Yeah, but if I may, just let me add something because we, we didn't follow through the, the the passive income, which is also very important for for a oh, lot yes. of people. Yeah. Uh, and and because like property rents, uh, interests, dividends, uh, certain royalties, other capital income. Uh, capital gains from any foreign assets, including shares or, or, or real estate. Uh, this case more designed for people that like an investment portfolio uh, or even a small saving uh, or are the shareholders of a ca- an Irish company and receive dividends for a foreign instance. Uh, these are also exempt uh, under the uh, NHR scheme as long as they could be taxed according to the double taxation treaty uh what usually happens is that uh, the rules for these types of income, uh, they usually let the, the source country to tax just uh, a little bit, like 5%, mm-hmm. 10%, 15%. So yes. as even if they don't, uh, if the double taxation treaty says they could apply that rate, limited but could apply it anyway Uh, then we get a general exemption in in portugal which is very attractive for these types of uh, incomes and of course depending on the specific situation of of the client let's say someone that's a shareholder and director uh, of a company uh, we could always uh, try and figure out uh, how to have a different mix of types of income uh, in order to maximise the, the the benefits from the uh, uh, NHR according to the specific circumstances of the, that person. Uh, yeah. So yeah.
0: one point I would just add there as well, because I, I think this will naturally come up, is I suppose from an Irish perspective. One of the things we need to watch for is the Irish Portuguese Treaty has a specific provision which which tries to keep individuals in the Irish tax net, uh, specifically if they're disposing of certain assets. Um, but I think you're you're entirely right. You know, I think we've had success for clients where we've been able to kind of help them optimize the mix. You know, in terms of extracting from a company. Um, it's, it's, it's just a case by case analysis, isn't it? Generally is what we find is, is just helping the client work out what suits them best.
1: Yes. Yes. Of course. It's no size fits all. It's, it's impossible. No, it's,
0: it's never does, does it? You know, it's never a, well, this is the same as the last case. There's always a nuance. Um, Jose, look, there's so much to what you've said. And I just think that, you know, anybody listening to what you've said, it's, it's, it's entirely clear that you understand the nuances of both of the NHR, but also of the double tax agreements. And that is such an important piece of, I think, being able to advise in this space. Naturally, people listening to this may want to be able to like reach out to you and, um, ask you questions one of the things I'd like us to do is to do another episode uh, because I know we touched briefly before the call on cryptos and you know there's a lot of questions come with that Uh, that's a topic for another day but in the meantime if somebody would like to have a conversation with you how do they reach out to you and also please correctly name the firm you're with because I (laughs) completely ruined the pronunciation of it at the start of the podcast
1: (laughs) Yes, the, the, the company, it, it, as you introduced, it's a Spanish-based company, but it's, now it's a Iberian company because it has a big operation in Portugal also. We work on both countries. The name is in Spanish. Uh, it's Martinez, Echevarria, and Ferreira. My contact, let's say, is José Barros, which is... Uh, Jose <laughs> with a more Anglo <laughs> <a more>, uh, Saxon <laughs> pronunciation. The <Yeah, yeah>, pronunciation <laughs> With an Irish <orange laughs> pronunciation.
0: Uh,
1: that, you, I know that you don't have like these double R's for Barros. You have like more. I, I worked several jobs in the UK, so everyone calls me Barros. So sorry, yeah. Uh, so my email is uh, Jose, J O S E the uh, dot uh, barros ba double os at Martin also we can provide you the, the phone number three five one two one zero five one seven six one one
0: we'll put them in the show notes and I think yeah. if anybody wants to reach out and um, you know generally we suggest that they kind of initiate a conversation with ourselves and um, to kind of see how where they sit in, in in the framework of like what we've discussed but um Jose, let's do it again soon. Let's, let's talk about crypto tax next time. Thank you so much for yes, your time. Really yes, appreciate
1: it. Sure will. Really good, really nice chat, and hope it went well. So, see you next time. Thank you so much for everything.
0: Thank you so much. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to Tax Bites for Expats. Please do leave a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcast. And as always, remember to take professional tax advice specific to your personal circumstances before acting or refraining from action in connection with the matters dealt with in this series. The material in this podcast is intended to give general guidance only.